guys, welcome back. It's Jacqueline. And Alana. And here's another episode of Black and Yellow for you guys. Part two, coming at you. Yes, part two, hot or cool? Oh, I'm coming in hot. <laughs> I'm over being cool. I'm coming in super hot. Good girl, because that's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's hot. Today is hot. But we're also going to go back, not go back, we're going to continue to talk about what it's like to be the cool girl. Yeah. So in part one, we just, we set the foundation for who the cool girl is or was, depending on where you are in that spectrum. Where you are, exactly. Um, Why she is this insidious amalgam of fictitious traits that men desire to be the perfect woman. Why she's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Why she doesn't exist. Why she may or may not be a phase. She's impossible to be. Right. And I think one thing that... I don't know if we said this last episode, but because of the nature of this episode, I think we probably should say is when we were talking about the cool girl in in part one, generally that girl is mostly white. Yes. Because. Yes. Go for it. Go. No, go, go, go. I would say because when you are a cool girl and you are a person of color, what it means to be cool, there's different nuances and different layers there. It, there, there's different nuances and different layers because your color is interpreted differently. Mm-hmm. And I think you have different experiences as a person of color that you don't have at all right. as a white girl. <laughs> you will sure. never have because you're never going to be Asian. You're never going to be black. Right. Exactly. And we're never going to have those experiences because I'm never going to be white. Right. Even though part of me wanted to be. Right. And right. obviously being white is the norm. So there right. are certain actions, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, beliefs that are uh, normal, quote-unquote. Right, trying to fit into the white world because as a child, as a girl growing up, that's what you think that you have to do. Right, but if you're a person of color, you've got to work extra hard, not just to fit into cool as it relates to the white world, but also cool as it relates to the world writ large and how you navigate in it. Right, and I think in large, the movies that we see or the movies that I watched growing up, the cool girl was always white. Always. always. So there is this dis- desperation of... Mm-hmm. Of who she is. There's a, a disconnect between who the the cool girl is, just the cool girl in general. Yes. And who the cool girl is if you're black or if you're Asian. Yeah, and I think there are very specific things on both ends that you just that we're going to talk about right now (laughs) for sure so i'll go ahead and start so just as as the cool girl myth exists in white culture the cool black girl is a myth that is very much alive and well in black culture um the cool black girl i would say i'm a recovering cool black girl um yeah when i was reading about that on like <laughs> on uh online i was we were prepping for this episode i was reading it and i i thought i i was like this is alana this used to be alana this is what everything that you've told me for this sure is, all our conversations that we've talked about when we were growing up when we were in college and when, how we went from you know feeling that we had to be white in certain areas how yep. we wanted to be white and realizing and appreciating our color and our gender was was this this that you're about to talk about (laughs) yeah so on salon.com maya rupert wrote an article where she basically outlined 
um, what the cool black girl, who the cool black girl is. And then an author on Medium, her name is TD, I couldn't figure out what TD stood for, uh, really goes into deeper depth in talking about the cool black girl myth. And I actually really like her depiction of it. It's a little bit more fleshed out than Maya. So I'm going to go ahead and read who the cool black girl is. So read it, girl. The cool black girl is one of the white guys. She tells herself not to sound too black before she speaks to her colleagues. She puts more effort into pronouncing Chevkoski than pronouncing the names of her colleagues I of up color. That part when I read it. Well, I mean, but that's look it's so good. I know that girl. I was that girl, and that girl is is very real. The cool black girl lets her colleagues touch her hair and says things like, oh. "I've never experienced discrimination at work. I just work hard. I don't sound white. I sound educated." I don't see race. And I have more white friends anyways. That is the problematic statement of the century. She thanks her colleagues when they tell her she's well-spoken, defends her colleagues to other black men and women, doesn't call out sexist and racist remarks, doesn't speak up when feeling neglected by non-black feminists, and does everything else the cool girl does as a black woman. She avoids offending her colleagues with suggestions that you may have offended her, uses racial self-deprecation to indulge, quote, ironic senses of humor, and laughs when something's not funny or nods when something doesn't make sense. She makes them feel better for feeling she makes them feel better by making herself feel worse because she needs this job more than they do. So that's putting the cool black girl in a a work context essentially the cool black girl outside of work the the defining factor of the cool or the the defining characteristic of the cool black girl is that she does not make people feel awkward about race around her read she doesn't make white people feel Mm. uncomfortable or awkward about race Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that is the through line of the black cool girl Mm. that is that's so, so spot on. Yeah. So essentially, to be the black cool girl, you have to dead everything that makes you black. You've got to dead those feelings of who you are as a, a woman of color walking through the world. You Feminism has always been a bit of a touchy subject in the black community. Older black generations don't necessarily appreciate feminism and i think that younger mm. african-american generations are embracing it a lot more i think the same thing in in similar asian cultures yeah so within yeah. the black community you also run the risk if you identify as being a feminist uh you run the risk of alienating certain older generations yeah. mostly of, women right yeah exactly some men but I, I think, well, I it does come, for me, on our end, I think it comes a little bit more that their experience as women is just not our experience as women. Yeah, and I think right? that their experience society. of feminism is an, a different experience of feminism than what we're living yeah. right now. It's just a different time and age and era. For sure. And I think the the generation gap causes problems. For sure. Yeah. Um, That's the, normal. The other problem with trying to be the cool black girl is that you inevitably alienate yourself from fellow black people that don't necessarily buy into this idea that being the cool person of color is something that you should be. Uh Uh-huh. 
Okay. I remember in college, in an effort to be the cool black girl and an effort to um, essentially be in proximity to whiteness, because let's be real, we live in a white world. So being able to understand and use whiteness as a tool to your advantage, even if you're a person of color. Crazy, huh? But it's beneficial. Yes. Sorry to go off on that little tangent. But no, like, not at all. That Do is it, a thing that we learn Absolutely. as black girls from a young age is how to understand and use whiteness as a tool to yeah. our benefit. Well, same with Asians. If we're if you're not right. if you're not black, well, if what is it called? If you're we we are considered white mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. Um, what I was saying is I would al- as a as trying to be the cool black girl, I would alienate myself from the non-cool black people that were also in my orbit. So they were too black. Ah. They were too black. They made the white people uncomfortable. And you knew and saw that as a problem? Right. Because I was like, oh, well, if I want to be socially successful, I got to be in some sort of proximity to whiteness. Mm -hmm. Thus, I'm going to deny certain parts of my blackness i.e. alienating myself from my black peers because they're being too black. They're not being cool black people. Mm. They're being angry, problematic black people. Mm. You just see what I'm saying? I do. And that, to me, was the, the worst part about being the cool black girl. Did part of you, when was that moment where you had that shift of either, holy shit, this isn't really going to work in the long term, or be... This really isn't me. Mm-hmm. See, I hate this. I don't ever, you know. What was your <laughs> moment of, wow, this this can't, this can't, this is not possible. So I think it was my junior year in college. There was a lot of racial, like racially charged events happening on campus, oh. and a couple of the events happened in the building where I took a lot of my theater classes okay. in Dillingham Center, and so when these there was a racist like epithet scrawled on a couple of walls in the building and kids of color or not even just kids of color even like minority students if if they were gay or just differently abled or if they were um not white if they were not white and cisgender and privileged there was a lot of backlash happening but specifically among the actors of color we kind of felt like where do we go to air this grievance because there's something really unfulfilling about having about being in a racially charged incident and having to air grievances to white people that you know are never going to understand the hardship that you're going through yeah, and that you shouldn't even really air grievances to the white people. You should have your own ability to. But exactly. You, but you guys didn't. Exactly. What well, we did. Oh, you we did. had um, ALS, which is the African Latino Society, on campus. So that was the place where a lot of us cool black people that were in the theater company went to seek solace and went to be with people that looked like us. I was on the receiving end of some pretty negative, you're not wanted here. Uh, reactions from my fellow black peers because for so many years I had been playing the cool black girl card that when all of these racial incidents came to a head I couldn't find comfort and solace with my white friends who I had aligned myself with but I also couldn't find it with kids that looked like me because you had alienated yourself for so long so you were all alone exactly yikes right and i that was when i began to realize you gotta you gotta you gotta figure it out Oh shit this doesn't work uh yeah exactly yeah you were in the hot right waters and really didn't know how to get myself Mm. 
out of it. Yeah, because you had actually been doing this for plus 10 years. Right. And so the name that I had created for myself on campus was like the whitewashed black girl among the black kids. But then among my white friends, I was the cool black girl. Oh, man. Yeah. So you kind of can't win. No, no. When situations like that come to a head. Because, again, the cool black girl never makes white people feel uncomfortable about race. Right. But you're still cool because you're black and you're always going to be black. And that's the other caveat. Black girls are just expected to be cool because they're black. Hello. We had an episode. Yeah, You're urban. You're always black. People are cool. They're always going to be cool. They're urban. But I'm not hood. Like not too ghetto. ghetto. Because that's not palatable to white people. Right. But also like but to be honest. Honest, you you did grow up middle class, right? Venice, right? Pretty, pretty self educated, well pretty well off, right? Exactly. So you have that. I guess if you could say similar, or you can relate mm-hmm. to someone who is white, right? Who is has that for sure? Um, blessed you are, right? Uh, Thank you. And then. But you are also expected to be cool and maybe possibly be as urban or in moments throw out whatever moment of urbanness that you can and are expected to. Yeah, for sure. Maybe that's not even really you. For sure. And and if anything else, we are the people that make white people not feel uncomfortable about race or any racial thoughts that they may have. So we somehow turn into some sort of weird bastion of um, absolution that our white friends come to us and want to air these perhaps racist thoughts or racial grievances. We're the ones that they go to because they feel safe with us because we've never made them feel uncomfortable about race. Right. But then what happens is we have to stuff our own emotions again in an effort to not make you feel uncomfortable about your racist whiteness. Yeah. And and, and in turn, you can't live your authentic, honest self. Mm-hmm. And that part of that that part gets that gets killed, right? Because the cool black girl is the total antithesis of the angry black woman. Because mm-hmm. remember, to be cool, you can't be angry. Yeah, there's no way. Angry women are unseemly, and yeah. no one likes an angry woman. Yeah. And so, but to be the angry black woman, you're a fucking stereotype. Yeah. You cannot be that. Yeah. Don't have too many opinions because then you're the difficult black yeah. woman. And no one wants a difficult black woman. No, absolutely not. So, like, Damn. do you see how it's all kind of compounded and yeah. how... Yeah, it's real messed up. Yeah, and ultimately the ones that lose out are those of us that tried to be the, the cool black And all for the sake of survival and coping, to be honest. For sure. It's not, you didn't decide, somehow you decided, but you didn't decide because you thought this... You thought that this was going to work and you thought that it was going to get you through in life and socially successful, like you said, and and up the ladder and and having friends and all the stuff that as you're growing up feels like the right thing to do Mm -hmm. because it feels right. And as a child, you have to survive in your environment. And that's what you end up. For sure. Definitely. It was interesting. As I was listening, as I was preparing for this episode, I was listening to a podcast about Whoopi Goldberg and uh it was talking, there was a part in the podcast where Whoopi Goldberg's real name is not Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> obviously. Not. Yeah. But she chose the name Whoopi because whoop, she's gassy, so like a Whoopi cushion. But then Goldberg, she's gone on in interviews and she said that Goldberg, Goldberg is Jewish. Right. And she said that Jewish people tend to fare better, she thinks, in the entertainment industry. Oh, uh, yeah. So she they assigned a last, but she was using whiteness. Or Jewishness uh, as a tool. She understood that. And it's the exact same thing as being the cool black girl. Understanding how whiteness is a tool and how it can benefit you 
is a survival skill that we are taught if you are of a certain socioeconomic background as a black person very early in life. Yeah, yeah. And that's that tool and that the knowledge of that tool is something that we have to grapple with on an individual level. Like a movie like Sorry to Bother You is a really good example of like, oh, I can use this white person voice to get me further in my career to help me progress. I didn't think, I don't think I saw that. It was Boots Riley's film with Lakeith Stanton and Tessa Thompson and uh, Army Hammer. Okay. Where Lakeith Stanton he it's it's like a surrealist type of film, but he's working at a telemarketing type firm uh-huh. and he learns very quickly that if he can access his white person voice, that he can do better in his career. Mm. So he learns that whiteness is a tool and that he can use it to his advantage to better his life. But at what cost? Right. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, There's a price to pay. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of. African-Americans of a certain socioeconomic background learn that super early and then have to figure out how to utilize that tool as to not like betray our people. Yeah. How to be, what does that mean to be true to your people? Right. right? But also uh, acquire some level of success. Yeah. Because if you're too true to your people, you are seen a certain way. Right. You could be seen as unpalatable to white people. You could be seen as a ghetto black person. Do you, you think know every I mean? black person goes through this? I think a lot of black girls go through. I guess you could say, do you think every black girl goes through this feeling of. I think every black girl to some degree goes through buying into the cool black girl narrative, but I don't. I think the ability to utilize whiteness as a tool is definitely a socioeconomic thing i don't necessarily think that poor black people get the same ability to utilize whiteness as a tool and wield it the way that educated middle-class black people do Mm. yeah dang i also think colorism plays into this i think texturism plays into this i think you can if you are a lighter skinned black person with straighter hair or the willingness to straighten and have whiter features which you had you had straight hair for right most you still do still do yeah and, and still have the option to straighten it um, I think that, what was I saying? The option to, yeah, if uh, colorism, texturism is all baked into being able to use whiteness as a tool. Mm. Because as we know, if white people, if you feel on the scale, if you're closer to that of a white person and you have more traditionally white attributes, you can go on to progress and be successful in a white world. Yeah. We've talked about that in our colorism episode, where if you're maybe a little bit darker, maybe you don't sound as quote unquote educated, or maybe you don't know how to wield whiteness as a tool, it could have an outcome on how successful you are in your career. Right. right, And that's just the world that we live in. Yeah, totally. Which is like the white world. Yeah. Who is the cool Asian girl? <laughs> Ooh, that was a handful. I'm Who like, is that girl? I'm like sitting here just staring at you, like soaking it all. Like, <laughs> have you noticed? Yeah. Because I'm as you're as you're explaining all this, I am living it with you because I I can relate heavily on certain areas. Of course, I'm not black, but I'm and I know you so well, so I'm sort of imagining this young Alana, you know, growing up and <laughs> and and using whiteness as a tool. And I don't. I think for Asian people. You know, we've gotten the we've gotten parts of white privilege. Mm-hmm. And so hearing you say using whiteness as a tool 
isn't new to me, but it's also kind of new to me mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily, I don't, I, I've never really necessarily have, ha, has, have had Jesus Christ, <laughs> have had to use it as a tool because I've, I've, I've been seen as white in a lot of areas mm-hmm. of my life, mm-hmm. and also granted, I've also been raised somewhat middle class. Yep educated and right. so we do have the socioeconomic class sort of set there for us you got proximity to whiteness yeah yeah and i guess that is you know a, that is a blessing however for me the asian cool girl i think i was we were talking about this a little bit earlier off air but let me pose this question to you guys when you think of someone asian just close your eyes, whatever, whatever. Don't close your eyes if you're driving. Uh, you don't, personally, this is all my experience from being an Asian, living and being an Asian girl in America. I personally don't think cool. Hmm. What do well, you think, Alana? When you think of it, when you think of an Asian girl? I think studious. I think plays an instrument. <laughs> oh, geez. I think... See, I don't think of it as Asian people as uncool. Right. See, it's not. It's hard. You know what I mean? Right. It's not uncool, but it's also not cool. It's not even. It's it's not that it's not cool or uncool. It's 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 a total different spectrum of smart. Yeah. And studious and a doctor, lawyer, engineer, sort of very analytical, possibly glasses. That's funny. I wear glasses. Yeah. Uh, uh, numbers just very it, it's just different right right so first and foremost for me it was just sort of reflecting back and it's it's i just we could talk about there is the cool girl myth that us asian girls fall into because we're just women but i guess if you really wanted to talk about us being cool we don't automatically fall into this mm. what it is to be cool i see what you're saying we know what it is to be smart and right. smart is cool right right, right. nerds are cool yeah, right? they rule yeah. the world, right? Totally now. <laughs> um, so, so for me, I guess because our norm, or at least my norm, growing up in the San Gabriel Valley, was to be very academic, right? Was to be very smart. Was to go to after school, after school, and study for another six hours. Mm-hmm. Was to take SAT courses, SAT prep school, uh, prep classes. Right. Was to just follow that path because that is the path that is outlined and everyone else is doing it. So I guess in the sense of what is your norm in high school and as growing up doesn't feel very cool, right? Ah, got it. Right? Okay, like I mean, I don't know how you can relate to that, but I guess you you being in your intense blackness in certain times didn't feel very cool. Right. Because you maybe were close to white people or so on and so forth. And I was lucky or maybe not lucky. It's all about perception that I I didn't grow up at least for the first 12 years of my life Mm -hmm. in a very predominantly white. It was mostly Asians. And then I had you all know that I moved to Orange County and it was a huge bubble burst for me. Yeah. So for me, it was it was interesting because in high school, at least or in middle school, it was mostly acceptable, but but the cool girls that I saw were the girls that got to be fully self-expressed on got the it. outside. Okay, which is funny because 
generally Asians aren't very expressive. Right. 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 And so for me, the cool girls were the ones that could wear colored contacts, were the ones that could bleach their hair, which is ironic. We're going to talk about blonde Asian girls in a little bit. Uh, were the ones that didn't have a curfew, were the ones that were able to get tattoos, were kind of like the cool bad girls, which yeah. everyone can relate to. For sure. But I guess because it's so opposite from being the safe, smart Asian girl mm-hmm. that you generally are no matter what right. if you're an Asian girl. Right. Right. And you're skinny and you're tiny and all the stuff that comes along with it. Uh-huh, so sure. um because there were a lot of other girls who were who were not maybe physically the same. Right. And were cool because they owned it. Right. You know? Yeah. So really for me, uh Go ahead. I, I'm gonna, trying to find this as I'm speaking to you guys because it's like, not very concrete. Well, because it sounds like the reason that these girls were cool is because they were rebelling against the culture that they were a part of. Yeah. And that's what made them cool. Yes. And then that they're rebelling, they're, they're being rebellious was actually accepted. Got it. Was accepted okay. by society, was accepted by their parents, so it seems, mm-hmm. was accepted by the fact that they had boyfriends, was right. accepted that they still were happy, right. you know, and, and fine with not going to an amazing college or so on and so forth. Yeah. And so um, that for me was the cool girl growing up. And then I talked a lot, a lot about this in the part one but the cool girl myth was I guess I am still recovering because like I I shared a lot in the first episode I grew up with a lot of boys I grew up with a really tough mom and so for me being the cool girl was being able to fall and not cry Mm -hmm. was the girl who could you know uh, my mom would dare me to eat earthworms and I would eat them okay my brother would you know my brother would hurt me and I would you know hurt him back things like that well that's that's kids but also like I could take it, you know, yeah. like yeah, you're, gonna you're trying me. to prove yeah. something. Right. And so so then it became this idea of I'm going to be one of the guys. Right. I definitely uh, that was that is uh, that it was well and alive and maybe still is in certain areas uh, alive and well for me as far as dealing in the workplace with right. men. Um, I definitely looked down upon girly girls. I definitely still kind of do. Um, because my mom was so tough on me growing up and she doesn't she she probably looks down upon certain girly girls who are afraid to kill bugs, Got you it. know? Yeah. And and from my mom, it came from a place of survival. Right. And then for me, it came from a place of not necessarily survival, but a place that I really had to prove myself, right? right? And so then I continue, I, can, I continue to prove myself as an adult and really prove to no one. <laughs> like, there's no one else to prove it to. Yeah. Like, I'm grown up. Yeah. Right? But, but it's alive and well. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes extremely problematic. For sure. And so... Um, I guess for me, where it really started to change was where um, I would be the cool girl and then I would still either A, get get hit on extremely hard. Got it. Or brags, even... Brags, brags. What? I said you're bragging, you're bragging. Brags, <laughs> brags. Keep going. But the point was, like, I wanted to be the cool girl because I didn't want to get hit on. Right. I wanted to be one of the guys because I wanted to be, like... I didn't want to be that girl, and I, I still ended up being that girl. Interesting. Do it you, was t- very twisted for me. Did you? Cause because I can, I'm Asian. Right. right. I mean, I can kind of relate in the sense that I got hit on a lot as well, and I, but I also got, and maybe you didn't get this, but I, I got a lot of, hey, we're good friends. Um, Want to have sex? Uh, like, I would get a lot of that. Mm. 
just like we're cool let's have non-committal sex because you're cool and you're black you'll be fine so you're down yeah. so you'll be fine oh, with God. it you're already kind of over sex like the image of a black woman's kind of already over sex yeah, and so being asian we're highly fetishized right yeah. so i don't have to try that hard it's right. like i'm gonna go out and whine and dine you like i'm talking to a white girl yeah, yeah i'm just gonna yeah, like yeah. pose the question right. as though i would ask hey i'm going out do you want me to pick right. this one from the store yeah yeah and for me it was like let me just be one of the cool girls because i let me just be one of the boys because i've grown up wanting to be one of the boys for the longest time but i i was still seen through my race mm-hmm. and still even yeah. even when i tried to be the cool girl and my definition of cool girl wasn't because i wanted to necessarily get men right it was because i just wanted to be seen as one of the boys right and obviously, we now know what the cool girl myth is. But the fact that I was still trying so hard to be one of the boys and then still was seen as one of the girls, as one of the fetishized Asian girls. And so then I'm trying so hard to be one of the boys. And then I still get a, oh, damn, Asian girls are so sexy, ah, you know, or and, and, and continuously. And it was like, why then am I doing this? Right. 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 And the minute I really stopped driving that, I really the minute I dropped that, I I, I believe I started really driving men away. Yeah. Because oh, I was... Sorry. Which, which, <laughs> I was just you were going to say that. Sorry. No, no it, it was good for me because it was like, oh, so now they're really seeing me as a, a human mm-hmm. that they're not interested in sexually. Right. And as it because of that, that this, that this, that I've dropped this sort of cool girl identity, the, there's no point in, in doing, like, there's no point in this because yeah. it's always going to revert to maybe being highly fetishized or not really being appreciated for the authentic person that I am. Yeah. And so that's something I'm I'm still navigating, but but it's it, that that was sort of my I don't know, I'm going all over the place here with this. No, but. I think it's interesting though that that for you your definition of the cool girl was the girl that was willing to live life most authentically on her own. Yeah. I think that that's really interesting because in our previous episode, we talked about how the cool girl it is not authentic. Yeah. She's pretending to be someone else. So it's almost empowering that your cool girl was the girl that was willing enough to, I guess, deny a part of her culture to make herself happy. I'm not yeah. I'm not suggesting that denying your culture is good, good. Or, or something right. that should be sacrificed right. in order to live your best life. I think yeah. you can live both and right. still... I mean, I think granted a lot of it was formed in high school when I had very low self-esteem and the girls and what I wanted I saw in certain girls that were really owning it and Mm -hmm. being fully self-expressed. But I think in society as an adult, it's a little as far as being Asian, it's it's that but it's also not too much of that. It's it's similar to the cool black girl uh, Mm -hmm. identity, which is or myth, which is speak up. Because you're human, but don't speak up too much. Oh, the cool black girls don't speak up. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. We don't speak up. <laughs> because just, that's why I'm not one of them anymore. Right, right, but right. But sorry, right. Keep I going. know you. You speak up, and I love it. Uh, but I think for us, it's because because we already don't speak up at all. Right, right. Like yeah. our our norm it's is submissive, yeah, quiet. Right. You don't speak up. You don't make noise. And so then for me, it's. Being cool is to speak up because you don't expect an Asian girl to speak up. Got it. And but you can't speak up too much because you can't offend the white man. You can't challenge him the way that I don't know. Maybe you want to. Mm-hmm. You know. So I guess that that's what we're kind of. I'm. I'm. It's not super concrete, but no, I'm. Still, I'm, okay. literally, I'm still living it. That's why. That's totally I'm figuring fine. it out. I think um, the 
cool black girl is a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. more or less like she obviously is the antithesis of the angry black woman but her coping mechanism essentially like enables gender and racial discrimination against Mm. her and other women like her because Mm. we don't speak up yeah because we don't want to rock that boat because the cool girl doesn't have opinions the cool black girl doesn't have opinions and isn't difficult right you know what i mean yeah yeah she's She's always fun and she's always strong because again we're talking about a black girl and that's just the expectation so it's interesting it seems like we're talking about similar things where you kind of take you like pluck things out of what it is to be very black or uh just black enough Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of whatever it is to be black in a white society and then you kind of take that and you mix it and you bake it into this perfect equation that is not going to disturb too much of whatever situation and environment that you're in yeah is what it seems like on both ends for sure like the cool black girl has to remain palatable to white people as does the cool Asian girl. Yeah, well, we have to automatically always be smart. Right. Well, yeah, that's one too. Right? Like, and, like you no don't... one's expecting us black girls to all be smart. Right. Right. Oh. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. Like, Jesus Christ. It, but that's the fucking truth. Like, you guys at least get the smart card. Like, yeah, but what if you're? What if you don't care about being smart? Oh, you have to. I'm just saying, like, cool black girl to cool Asian girl. Like, the cool black girl isn't necessarily always thought of as the smartest girl in the room. Yeah. Well, because the cool you guys... girl isn't the smartest girl in the room. Because she doesn't want to, like, threaten the, the, like, the yeah. guy. I mean, but you guys girl. at least, now we're defending each other. So <laughs> you guys at least get to be cool. Yes. You don't expect an Asian person true. to be cool. Well, you because know? The, the, the crux of cool is what's new and hot and pop and fresh. Yeah. And black people have always been at the, the cultural forefront. Yeah. For, at, least Whereas, in Ameri- at least in in America. Right. Whereas, but, but by and large, internationally, people always look to America for the news, hip, that's hip true. hop, R&B. And a lot of it's black people. A lot yeah. of it's black uh, cultures, trends, ways of yeah. speaking, ways of being that are then ripped off by white people and, and then the world writ large. Right. You don't see America. Well, I mean, at least K-pop now you do, but only finally now it's starting for the past 10 years in China at least the the R&B and hip hop scene is really starting to come up and it's a lot of influence from America well let's talk about black influence on K-pop very shortly okay because when someone says there's a lot of African American influence in K-pop I'm very quick to stop people and go well hold on a second oh I don't think there's I don't know too much about black 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 influence on in k-pop there's like in terms of the way that some of the artists dress oh. or some of the imagery that but is used. again black people have been at the forefront of fashion but there's a difference between black people and nigga shit and <laughs> i think what you see in k-pop is nigga shit which is different <laughs> explain to us what that is nigga shit is not having to deal is is utilizing the imagery of what it is to be black without dealing with blackness Yes. nigga shit is like when a white person says I love hip hop but what you really love is trap music that's nigga shit um, do you see what I'm saying that's different than a Nina Simone or an Etta James or right. Common that's yeah. those James are, Brown right yeah. those are different types of what it means to be black right there's no culture behind it right, right. Um, 
I hate to go back to Sorry to Bother You, but no, it, there's this great scene in the movie where Lakeith Stanton is talking to Army Hammer. They're at this party, and Army Hammer is Lakeith Stanton's uh, boss at this big company. And they're at a party, and Army Hammer's character is like, rap, rap, rap. We know you can rap. And Lakeith Stanton's like, no, like I don't really rap. Like It's not really my thing, no. And he's like, oh, come on, you can do something. And so Lakeith Stanton gets up on stage. He tries to do a first rap. And it like doesn't oh. go over well. He tries to do a second rap, doesn't go over well. Finally, he realizes, oh, what these people I know. And then he just just starts saying nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit, nigga shit over and over and over again. And all the white people are like, whoa, yeah, that's the ball, woo! And it's a really great depiction of how white people, and in this specific sense, K-pop artists distill what it looks like to be black image-wise without having to deal with what it means to be black. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. So when you were talking about like K-pop having hip-hop influences, I'm like, "Mm, well, K-pop has nigga shit influences. Mm. They're influenced by Migos and 2 Chains and trap music. That's very different than Fuji's, Lauren Hill. Yeah, than, Aaliyah. Yeah, yeah like yeah, yeah. that's a way different kind of blackness. Yeah. Sorry, I got off on a little tangent. No, there. it's great. Um, but yeah, like two, two different, black people would say that's two different things. I see. Um, Where was I going with this? <laughs> pulling it, oh, I know, pulling it back. You were talking about how the Asian cool girl uh, is free enough to express her emotions, her emotions and be herself. And... Black? At least to me. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, you would know more than I. Yeah, and I'm sure every other, every Asian girl has had different experiences. I am a first generation here, so you know, there it's very different than someone who is a who came here as a fob or as a second generation or third or fourth. That's very different. They for might sure. not even have this thing of what it is to me be cool or you know, we're in a very heated atmosphere with everything in media and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it it is it is I guess being more self expressed, but not expressing too much once again. Got because it. Because we are not supposed to make noise. Right. And right? see, the cool black girl stuffs away all of her cool black woman emotions, mm. specifically anger. Anger is the one emotion that the cool black girl really has to get a handle on. Right. If she wants to, uh, if she wants to still be perceived as cool, I right. got a great quote from that Medium article I was talking about that sort of explains this. Um, so it's by Christy Moda, and she's a behavioral therapist, and she talks about anger, and she says, quote, anger has its upsides. It's infor- it informs us when things matter, helps us break down stereotypes, helps us stand up for ourselves and other people, and right wrongs. So basically what she's saying is, obviously anger is really productive if you use it as such. And a lot of times to be the cool black girl means to tuck away that really productive emotion that when used purposefully can create change in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Harriet Tubman. Look at Rosa Parks. Look at Michelle Obama. Look at Maya Angelou. Look at Tori. uh, Look at um, Toni Morrison. Mm -hmm. Like there are there have been a lot of angry black women, quote unquote, that have gone on to do really powerful things in the world because they were able to harness their anger and use it for good and not be afraid of their anger. Mm -hmm. And I think we live in a day and an age that tells black women, do not feel that awful emotion because you are not given the license and the space to express it the way that white people, specifically white women are. Mm. 
and part of being human or you know full humanity is being able to express all human emotions that are given to us yeah not just certain human emotions that because they run the risk of not seeming palatable to whites or they might f- scare white people we right. can't we can't embody them yeah 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 that's 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 great i think I think those phenomenal women that you just described is a great example to really take that and and channel it into something that's going to do and be good for your environment or a bigger cause or making a legacy or making change in the world because we need it. Yeah. Had those women not have been angry, we might not be in the world that we're in today. Yeah, definitely. But it's like the bravery to be angry, which sounds crazy in theory. Mm hmm. But is so real to a lot of black women walking through the world today. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. I'm going to change segments here. Change it up, what do change you it up. think um, about the cool Asian blonde? Okay. Yes. She has been having a moment. <laughs> she's been having it and she's confused me. So tell me about her. <laughs> I'm sure she's confused a lot of people as I've been confused. Uh it's cool because either a you're not we weren't probably allowed to do that when you were younger, mm-hmm. right? So you can finally do it now as an adult. Uh but I'm sure now a lot of other girls are doing it when they're young too, which for me is like, ah man, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know if my mom would have ever let me dyed my hair when I was blonde when I was thirteen, but these girls can mm-hmm. and will and do. Uh, a lot of people are having this sort of weird identity crisis to it. Um, it definitely does challenge the societal norms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially culture-wise, it's sort of a streak of rebellion, like I was saying before. Uh, It's sort of this idea of, you know, you don't want to just be the model minority, pretty brown hair, Asian girl with a tiny waist and small frame. I get that. I don't know if it's if it's an accumulation of it. I know a lot of it stems from fashion. Um, it's a big fashion statement, and you know the whole ombre and the mm-hmm. the dyeing your hair that 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 was huge, and a lot of Asian girls for sure. doing it and done well. I think it looks really good. Uh, it's not. It's definitely looked down upon amongst the older generation. I would imagine. Yeah, I would imagine they don't understand it. They don't get it, and they're against it. Well, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it confuses me because it it's not the most aesthetically pleasing choice. So you say. So I say. Yeah. That's why it confuses me. Right. Like, I, I don't know. I think that a lot of Asian people across the board have really strong features, and I think that strong features are better framed with darker hair. I've always thought that. Ah. Uh... Lighter, lighter hair seems to sort of soften features for me. So if you have dominant features, why not highlight them? Right, right, right. I also think that blonde is really flattening, not just to Asians, but to white girls, too. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. blonde can be flattening if it's not done super well. Yeah. So I also then this is a question writ large: Why flatten your features? Yeah. What 
black. I would say that to a black girl. I would say that to an Asian girl. I would say that to a white girl. Yeah. 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 It kind of it perplexes me too. It and I a lot of girls will say you know it's for fashion. I've always felt like a blonde. Uh, it's my inner white girl coming out. I'm. But see that you know, to me is problematic. It's my inner white girl coming out. That's what I think it really is yeah and that's why i think maybe i kind of gristle when i see it because i'm like well or what does it mean to to i've always thought i was more of a blonde what does that mean because i think blonde uh, ideally the stereotype of blonde it well is white right or european right anglo anglo-saxon um caucasian it's a it's um maybe you're kind of dumb i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i'm just throwing things out there that like I've always thought that blondes are looked at as fun, a little bit more lighthearted. Brunettes are a little bit more studious, yeah. a little more serious. Yeah. Blondes are a little more fun and happy-go-lucky. I mean, think of the blondes that we love. Marilyn Monroe is a really good example. Mm-hmm. Cameron Diaz, fun, mm-hmm. happy, go-getter. Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Um, other famous ones, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess the blonde Asian has always confused, not confused me, but I guess made me sad. Really? A little bit. Yeah, because huh. I do feel like that there, that's, that's my inner white girl coming out. To me, that feels like you're denying a part of right, yourself. Right, right, right. And that's why I'm Asian-ness. sad. That, that's what I makes see. me sad. I, I, I completely agree with that. I see it. I mean, they're definitely cha- challenging the femininity norms. For sure. And uh, I think of it as what a great way for them to express themselves in a way where maybe our culturally isn't as, like I said before, self-expressed fully to where it can be or the possibilities of that. And so- yeah, in terms of fully expressing yourself, I feel like the cool black girl, once she comes to grips with the fact that feeling emotions and having opinions and being angry is okay, then I feel like she's fully expressing herself. Mm. Uh, I think this this Medium article puts it perfectly. She said, It says, here's who the angry black woman really is and what she has over the cool black girl. She's awesome. She's awesome because she most likely had to climb uphill her whole life to get to where she is today. It's that uphill battle that's given to her that's given her her fuel to take part in industries like tech, business, engineering, academia, and leadership. She's dedicated. She pursues projects from start to finish. She takes up causes many of us don't hear about and informs us about what matters in the world. She's real. She will tell you the truth. She's a doer. Mm. This is a woman who gets things done and isn't content with the status quo. She's the kind of woman our industries need. I love that. I really relate to, and that really resonated with me because I think there's a lot of honesty in that Mm -hmm. when it comes to truly expressing yourself and dropping the cool black girl coping mechanism, which to me is essentially what the cool black girl is. Right. Because ultimately black women are not asking to be treated any differently in the world uh-huh. than other women. Uh-huh. We're just asking to be able to be as plucky and cantankerous and jovial and angry as Steve Jobs. Sassy, whatever or, it is. Yeah, yeah, or whatever it is. As Steve Jobs, yeah. Because I feel like that's a... If he was a white businessman that was allowed to feel a roller coaster of emotions, but was still highly revered. Yeah. You know what I mean? And every human should be able to have that right. ability. Right. Absolutely. In society. And, for sure. And, and not be reprimanded for it. Right. Right. That, totally. That's the key, I think, is to be your, to find yourself, hopefully, in a place or to get to a place where 
in your environment, even if it's your own family, if you mm-hmm. need to start there or, you know, realize that maybe start? in the workplace is not the best place. So maybe you get a new job. Maybe yeah. you find Ooh, a different identify position. Identify that toxic workplace I, culture doesn't work for you, your ethnicity. You yeah. were the one that uh, you brought so much enlightenment to my life when you said, how can I work in a place that is sexist and misogynistic and so on and so forth, essentially, you said that is not aligned in my values and my vision as a woman. Mm-hmm. And when you said that, I I just I, I just remember being a little bit stunned as 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 this is real it's it's everything i practiced in my life so why don't i practice it in my work what because i'm making money so because i'm making money it's acceptable yeah it's acceptable to be treated a certain way or acceptable to be working around men or people or a kind of workplace environment that i don't agree with yeah oh girl yeah 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 that was and that was when we had this show this show is definitely um we're going to be two years soon, guys. I know. This show has definitely been therapeutic for both of us in a lot of ways. And I, getting ready for this episode today and reading that passage that I just read, made me think about how this show came to be. Yeah. Where, like, you and I were angry. You at and I work. were frustrated <laughs> at work, at the president that's sitting in the White House, at just sort of the the way that minorities especially minority women have been yeah. depicted for years we were so frustrated we were so pissed yeah and we found solace in being able to talk about it without feeling uh defensive right or reactive towards one and another and i think we challenged each other in just the right areas mm-hmm. for the dialogue to be very stimulating hopefully you guys all agree with us otherwise please tell us um but yeah like because of all that anger and rage and everything else we this show is happening right and i i think which is ironic because you've just said right I am. About, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, no, totally. Oh, that's but so I cool. also, I mean, again, like when I have my, my my moment of gratitude every day, like this podcast always comes up because I think there are a ton of black and Asian women that do not get the opportunity to live a full emotional life. Yeah. And that takes a toll on you. It does. Physically it becomes the cool girl. It becomes the nice, quiet. It could become Absolutely. the minor minority. It becomes let's not make noise. Right. For me, for me, the, I guess the Asian cool girl or being Asian and working on this this debunking is if you are the quiet Asian girl Mm -hmm. be okay with being a quiet Asian girl yeah if you want to be for sure if you don't want to make noise don't make noise noise. if you want to be the loud curvy obnoxious in your face Asian girl be that girl and so it's similar to the lines of that medium article where acknowledge everything that you are and have and don't try to be or do something that you're not because of the model don't go bleach your hair because you want to rage against the model minority man. yeah bleach your hair because you like blonde hair right. because you want blonde hair and Get if that. it stems from that recognize it for sure right and 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 be aware that's all i guess because awareness is the first step but don't let it be the driving force because mm-hmm. i don't think that's that is authentic yeah At, that that will you will come to the conclusion just like you did in college just like i did in my workplace where it's not working for sure and it's going to happen time and time again until you do get sick and tired of it so that would be my way of really just being your own version of cool is to just realize hey i'm loud i'm going to be loud hey i'm quiet 
I'm going to be quiet and right. and really honor that. I'm still a recovering cool, cool black girl, learning every day. Same here. Doing the 12 steps. Um, <laughs> and one way that I have oh, man. really helped myself through it is to mentor a younger African-American mm. girl. Uh, my cousin Carlin and I are very close. Oh, she's yeah. seven. And she's learning about cool. Cool is definitely a word that That's is very being, different nowadays. Right. And it's definitely being thrown around in her circle of friends. With social media, too. It's tough. Yeah. yeah and it's, it's a whole other world. I feel like a dinosaur. Kind of. A little bit. Yeah. Um, And we do cousin dates once a month. And I find myself trying to reteach her what cool is. Mm. So a thing that happens in black culture, especially with young black girls, is we tend to be very critical of each other because the world at large is very critical of us mm-hmm. because we're not white enough, we're not X, Y, and Z enough, mm-hmm. whatever. And so the way that that translates is within our own culture, we turn that criticism on each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that start to sort of manifest in her. Mm-hmm. And so I, A, am like, okay, Alana, you were you were doing the same shit when she was seven years old, when you were seven years old. Like, don't be hard on her, but instead teach her kindness. Teach mm-hmm. her that the cool girl is the kind girl. Mm-hmm. The cool girl is cool with everyone and doesn't mm-hmm. hold judgments and mm-hmm. is just like you know, open to different ways of thinking, feeling, and believing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just have to be one way. Being cool can mean a bunch of different things. Yeah, right. And I think to be a positive model of what being cool is is really valuable to her and Mm -hmm. it's really valuable to me. So that's how I feel like I'm coming through uh, being the cool girl. Like I'm trying to make peace with my sort of ugly cool girl, black cool girl past by maybe sowing seeds for a future black cool girl or for a future girl who's trying to be cool but redefining what cool means yeah exactly I guess for me is it's really in those day-to-day moments it's at work in the moment where I have a thought and instead of saying it I just think it Mm -hmm. Mm. it's for me it's uh it's someone treating me a certain way because I'm Asian and it's me either buying into it or allowing it, or fighting against it, or letting it be. Mm-hmm. For me, it's really those present-to-present present moments that if I am present enough, I can shift and change and yeah, almost see through that cool girl mm-hmm. that I am being. Right. And that is a work in progress. For sure. That is not Same. A, that 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 is not consistent enough because I am human. Of course. And so... That would that that's that's what I'm that's how I'm working on it really because if because that's that that for me I feel like that's the only way. Yeah, I think another part of my recovery of being a recovering cool black girl is I am no longer silent. Mm. So if I come across casual racism, I will say something. I don't mm. care if I look like the angry black woman. I don't care if I look crazy for speaking up to whoever like yeah. I address sexism head on I address address ra- racism head on or any sort of just like fucked up way of behaving right sexism ageism homophobia I feel like I was silent for so long in an effort to not be the angry black woman or mm. not be difficult or not be a diva yeah, I'm still working on that that I feel like now my way to pay it forward is to lead by example and mm-hmm. maybe there's another cool black girl lurking in the background that wouldn't be uh confident enough or have the the cojones enough to step up and say something and I am now that person. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, Just like lead by example. For sure. And also like not living in silence I think has yeah. really helped a lot. Yeah, that's great. 
Should we end it here? Yeah, guys. Right. I hope you enjoyed this one. It, it was a little bit more personal, a little bit more in-depth to who we are as individuals. We hope you liked it. If you have any thoughts, if you're also recovering, if you are just beginning to see this cool girl uh, myth, you know, and how do you start to debunk this myth? Uh, let us know your thoughts. For sure. Uh, we are on Instagram at Black and Yellow Podcast. I'm Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram. I am Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun. This episode was produced by Christian Humes over at Zeitheist. You can find this podcast on Spotify and iTunes. Feel free to subscribe, rate, and review us while you're there. The rates and reviews help us because they help us to monetize this little podcast, which we do because we love it. Mm-hmm. Not because it's putting money in our pockets, <laughs> um, but because we love it and we love talking about this. But with more rates and reviews the more that we can monetize and bring you great content more great content exactly I think that's it guys yeah enjoy the summer enjoy your AC yeah enjoy your AC and remember be your own version of cool definitely because your own version of cool is the coolest that's totally true and until next time we'll talk to you later guys bye bye